And now, Lord, we ask your blessing upon our time in the Word once again, Father, as we know that you will reveal to us your heart. We ask all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you will take your Bibles with me, we're continuing our series in the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter, and we are in chapter 3. Moving along, and we arrive at here again in chapter 3. And we're just going to look at a few verses here tonight. 1 Peter 3, and we're going to look at verses 13 through 17 tonight. <clears throat> now, Peter, at this point in his letter, is going to take up the subject of Christians being persecuted again. He had spoken of this earlier, and remember, this actually, he's used this letter to try and encourage the foreigners, the Christians that have been scattered all throughout the province of Rome. And uh, remember the title of our of our series, it's called, we called it Alien Life, Alien Life. But we have alien life here on earth because Peter begins his letter by calling us believers aliens or sometimes translated foreigners, the word foreigners or strangers in this world. How many of you felt less and less like you belong, you don't belong here? Uh, I sure have. And the more you see the news and the more you see what's happening in the world today, you just kind of look and, and you say, this is not my home. This is not my home. And so Peter, uh, there were many being persecuted for their faith. And now Peter wants to once again encourage them in when that persecution comes. So let's pick it up at verse Uh, 13 together and uh, 14 let's read 13 and 14 and who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good but even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness you are blessed and do not fear their intimidation and do not be troubled do not be troubled. Here, Peter <clears throat> makes it clear in verse 13. He says, who is there to harm you? you know, many times we, uh, if, if we are doing good, we're doing the Lord's will, and we, we are obeying God's word by doing good. Sometimes uh, fear may set in. It had, it had set in to some of the Christians back then, and they would, uh, they would be extremely frightful of what may happen to them, what harm may come to them. And so he's trying to tell them. Now, of course, in, in this world, we as believers can be physically harmed. So he's not uh, talking about that, that who is there to harm you. He's talking about the, the spiritual harm. Yes, there is harm physically, but the world can't touch my soul. And I know that the Lord has my soul and I am being kept by him. Therefore, why should I be afraid? And so he, he tells them, 
you know, if you're proving zealous for what is good, who is there that's really going to harm you, uh, you know, eternally? They can't do it. But then he does speak of suffering in verse 14. But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are, and there's that word, blessed. You are blessed. And do not fear their intimidation and do not be troubled. So here we have that, that phrase, so even if you should suffer persecution for the sake of righteousness, he says, guess what? You are blessed. Now, it's interesting, that word blessed. What is the way you think of when you hear the word blessed? What, what comes to your mind usually? How, what would be the word that, that sometimes we, you would interchange with the word blessed? would be like happy is there another one someone else happy you know uh joyful or uh god's god's favor it's interesting that this word blessed here it does not mean to feel delighted okay because sometimes that's the way we use the word blessed but it has the connotation here, which is a little different than another Greek word that would mean feel delighted. But here, the Greek word means highly privileged and honored. Highly privileged and honored. So I want you to keep that in mind of what that means because it's the same word that the Lord Jesus used uh, on the Sermon on the Mount. So turn to Matthew 5 with me. Let's go over to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5. And we'll pick it up at verse 10. Matthew 5, <clears throat> verse 10. Look what the Lord Jesus was teaching. And how beautiful... Uh, it is that the, uh, this ties in with what Peter is saying. Verse 10, Jesus said, Blessed are those who have been persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men cast insults at you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely, what? On account of me. And this, this is kind of what we were talking about this morning in this morning's message. About being accused, being falsely persecuted. But there is a, the, the, the word blessed, again, remember, it has the idea of being highly privileged or honored. So you are being, if what he's saying, the Lord Jesus is saying, if you and I are being persecuted and we look at persecution, right away we think that, uh, we think it's terrible, the worst. Why would this happen to me? When all the while Jesus is trying to say, as well as Peter, that you are highly privileged 
and honored by God when you are persecuted. Now think of that. When I, when I try and, and process that in my mind, uh, it, 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 it doesn't fit logic. You know, if we should, we're speaking logically in the way the world thinks about being blessed, you know, how, how in the world uh, can I feel highly privileged if I am being scorned, if I have be, I'm being mocked, if I am being physically abused in some way because I'm a Christian, because of the faith I stand upon and because I represent the Lord Jesus Christ. But Jesus, as well as Peter here, is trying to encourage the believer, understand this, that God has his hand upon those who are being persecuted. And those who are suffering under such persecution, uh, there, there is a, God considers them highly privileged because they are going to experience suffering for the name of the Lord Jesus. And that's what the Apostle Paul talked about when he said, I want to be a partaker of the fellowship of his sufferings. That we, when we are persecuted in this life, not to look at it as a negative thing, but that you and I should feel privileged that God has allowed us to be chosen to be one of those who would, who would uh, face the persecution as Jesus did, that they would turn on us because we are, are in Christ and we stand upon him. And then, of course, he encur- Jesus encourages them in verse 12. There is a rejoicing and gladness over persecution and suffering. Why? Not in the suffering itself, not in the the uh, the persecution itself, but rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is what great. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So they persecuted the prophets who were they before you who were before you. Jesus said. So when you think of the prophets of old, let me ask a question. Do you think that they were highly privileged by God? That they were honored by God when they were called into the ministry and to be a prophet of his? And they would bring God's word to the people of Israel? And yet we read throughout the Old Testament that time after time the prophets were being put to death. They were being killed because of the message that they brought or they were being extremely persecuted by by the world and by Israel who at that time was far from God and so they hated the prophets that spoke the truth yes the prophets were favored highly favored and they were they were highly privileged and so peter is basically saying to us Consider that you are highly privileged when that time comes. So uh, we, we saw that what Jesus said here, but I want to turn now, since we're in Matthew, to Matthew 10. So slide over to Matthew chapter 10. <clears throat> and, 
And uh, let's pick it up at verse 24, Matthew 10, 24. And again, this ties in beautifully with what we studied this morning from the book of Colossians. Jesus says here, A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a slave above his master. It is enough for the disciple that he become as his teacher and the slave as his master. If they have called the head of the house Beelzebub, how much more the members of his household? Verse 26, do not fear them. For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be made known. Again, he's talking about those persecutors who will come. He's saying, don't fear them. One day, they, uh, their, their sin is going to be uncovered and revealed in the judgment day. What I tell you in the darkness, speak in the light. And what you hear whispered in your ear, proclaim upon the housetops. And here in verse 28, and do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Now, here again, Jesus is talking about harm can come to our bodies through uh, physical persecution. We may be put to death for our faith, for the sake of Christ. But we should not be afraid of those who can do that. We shouldn't be afraid of this body dying. But he says we should have a fear of him who is able to destroy both soul and body uh, and in hell. Notice that. Now, some people have taken this verse, that second part of the verse, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Some people thought that that's talking about Satan. Well, Satan's the one, you know, some people think Satan lives in hell. You know, that's his home. You know, they, they, have, they don't know the scriptures, and so, but that's the way the world thinks. And so they think that, well, Satan's the one who can destroy the body and send a soul to hell. But we, we are not to fear Satan, are we? We are not to fear the, our enemy that is the enemy of our souls because he cannot touch our souls, can he? And yet so many times... Uh, it's easy to get in fear of what we believe Satan can do. Yes, he's a strong adversary. He's a strong adversary, and sometimes God will allow him to, to use people to persecute us and to persecute the church. He has allowed that, and even suffering, as we know in the book of Job. God will allow that. But yet, Satan can only harm the body according to the will of God. And so any and so when he's talking about fear, that word fear, it's reverencing or uh, uh, respecting him, which is it's a capital H, which is speaking of God, but rather fear God. So you can put it in there, rather fear God who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. God's the one that determines where the soul goes. So But the key here, Jesus is trying to get across as Peter, fear. Be careful not to fear. 
and how easy it is for us to to get caught up in fears of this life because they're out there and as soon as you hear them boast on the media and and the the liberal uh, world and that they come at you and basically they are cursing God they're cursing the Bible they're cursing you we should not fear them <clears throat> here's Here's a little something that uh, Wednesday night, uh, one of our brothers named Jeff uh, was, uh, was there, and, and he came up to me before we had our Bible study, and he had t- two quarters in his hands, two quarters, American quarters, and uh, one was dated 1994. And some of you know this, but to some of you, this may be a surprise. Get one of the new quarters and get one of the old quarters. And whose face is on it? George Washington. All right. If you look at the old quarter, the old quarter, George Washington is facing the words, in God we trust. You take a new quarter and take a look at it. Guess what? They now have George Washington turning his back on In God We Trust. They have moved it to back so that Washington is not facing those words. Do you think something's happening here in America? We've seen that God taken out of the, and the Bible taken out of our schools over the years and prayer and everything else, but it's going to get worse and worse. We're seeing it. And so the persecution, dear Christians, it's going to come. It's not a matter of if, but a matter of when. But of course, we're waiting for the return of Christ, are we not? We're waiting for the trumpet to sound, and it could be tonight, that we could be ushered into his presence, and we'd be caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. So that is our blessed hope. So why should I fear what happens to this body? Turn back with me now to 1 Peter again, 1 Peter 3, and again, look at the end of verse 14. Again, verse 14, he said, But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. The rest of verse 14. And do not fear their intimidation and do not be troubled. Do not fear their intimidation. Do not be troubled. This is Peter's actually quoting from Isaiah chapter 8, verse 12. This is an Old Testament quote. And in the Old Testament uh, there, in Isaiah was using it as part of an uh, exhortation to fear God rather than man. But Peter takes it here and basically is using it to say, don't fear the intimidation of the world. Let us not fear them. And therefore, don't feel troubled by it all troubled by what is going to happen then we come to verse 15 here's that great word but so instead of fearing them right and fearing what harm they can do to us this is what we should do but sanctify christ as lord in your hearts 
always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. Gentleness and reverence. Or sometimes instead of the word reverence there, it's translated fear. You might have fear in your translation. With gentleness and fear. That word fear, again, we, we kind of get confused with when we see the English word fear there. But again, we're, 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 we're going to look at what exactly that means. But here, Peter's instructing the believer. This is how you are going to face the world. This is how you are going to face trials and temptations and persecution. By sanctifying Christ as Lord in your hearts. And of course, we know what the Greek word for sanctify is. It mean, means to be set apart unto. To be set apart unto. And so Peter is saying here, each one of us must set apart Christ as what? Lord in our hearts. Now, when you and I came to Christ and we were saved, born again, and we received his forgiveness, we were, we were robed in the righteousness of Christ, we were justified before God now, and we're redeemed When I put my faith and trust in Jesus, I put my faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus, from the very beginning, is the Lord of my life. Nothing changes that. He will always be Lord of my life. The problem happens when I choose not to allow Jesus to be in control of my heart, my mind, my body, and I'm not allowing him the control to be Lord of my life. Even though he is Lord of my life, I still have the free will, and I get to this, and I, sometimes we can choose to fear. And if I, if I am not, and basically what Peter's saying, if I don't have Christ at the center of my life, to sanctify Christ means I'm set apart I've set apart him as Lord in my heart. Therefore, Lord Jesus, you are my king, and therefore I will obey you, and and my eyes are fixed upon you, Lord. And so therefore, when I sanctify Christ in my heart, my perspective changes, my mind changes, because suddenly I will begin to have the mind of Christ And I will begin to have Christ-like attitudes. I'll begin to show the fruits of the Spirit. And I will be able, through Christ being, have, sitting on the throne of my heart, and I'm, and, and I'm uh, consciously being aware of that, putting him there. I can go into that world there and not be afraid. And I can walk, face, face anything out there, that Satan is going to bring in the way of persecution and attacks if I have Christ sanctified in my heart. Therefore, I know he has me. He's my Lord. Therefore, he, whatever happens in my life, he has, he's going to allow because he's Lord of my life. And I will trust him. And again, it goes back to 
sanctifying the Lord in our, our, our life. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. You, you know that verse, those verses very well. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, right? The only way I can do that is if I'm sanctifying him as Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean unto your own understanding. In all your ways, what's next? Acknowledge him. They're sanctifying him. To acknowledge him is to sanctify Christ and, 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 and allow him to be, uh, to, I'm, I'm putting my full trust and faith in him, and so therefore I'm acknowledging him in my circumstances as my Lord. So, so if I acknowledge him, he will then what? Direct my path. That he's got my path. Wherever that path leads, I don't need to be afraid. If it's going to be time to lose my job or suddenly I lose a family member, everything else, yes, my heart will be grieved. There will be initial fear, maybe uncertainty. But yet at the, at the, at the center, at the core of my soul, I will be steadfast because I have made Christ Lord. I have sanctified him as Lord of my life. And so we see Peter is, is trying to make this clear, to separate uh, Christ and have him set apart in my life as Lord. Because it is only then that I will have the boldness to proclaim the gospel in my life, to be a witness for Christ. But if, 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 if Jesus is not, I'm not allowing Jesus to have the position of Lord in my life, though he is my Lord, then I'm going to have all kinds of trouble. And Peter then says, verse 15, he goes on and he says, once you sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart, then always be ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. Have you ever had someone ask you about your faith or about your life? They've, they've watched you maybe at work or a family member who doesn't know the Lord and they've, they've watched your life and there's something different about you. And it may be something that has actually alienated you from other members of the family because of your walk with the Lord, because you've sanctified Christ as Lord of your life. And therefore, uh, they've, they've come to you and said, all right, you tell me, what, what has changed you? Some of you remember the day you were saved there, maybe in the, uh, and suddenly your family uh, saw the changes. They saw what Jesus did in transforming your life. I know some of your testimonies as I look out here, and I know how others have been able to uh, uh, look at you and say there's something different about him now or her. There's something different. And so here Peter is saying you will now have the opportunity to give, be ready to give a defense of your faith, a defense of to anyone who asks you about what's that hope that you have in you. Now, the word for defense here in the Greek is apologia. Apologia is where, and that's of course where we get the, our English word apology or apologetics. Giving a defense. Giving a, a defense. Apologetics is, is giving a defense of our faith. 
And the Lord will give us the ability to make that defense when the time comes. To, to, make, uh, to, uh, to make a defense and give us the words for it. The word, uh, then, then at the end of verse 15, notice he says, when we give an offense, uh, I'm sorry, a defense for the hope in us as a believer to those who may persecute us or put us on trial, how are we, how are we to do it? I think we tend to forget that God's concerned about how we put up the defense. Because usually, our, na- our natural self would say, you know, stand up and get angry, shake our fist at them. Yeah, that's right. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. You go try and do. And, and suddenly I can come across belligerent. I can come across very sarcastic and, and angry. But what does he say? He adds this at the end of it. When you give the account, do it with gentleness. And if you have the King James Version, it has the word fear there. Or it's translated reverence. The word fear, again, has to do with reverence or respect. The Greek word here for this uh, fear or respect or reverence is the Greek word uh, phobos, phobos, does it ring a bell? Phobia, yeah, it's talking about fear. But in the Old Testament, that word was used in the Hebrew many times to speak of reverence and respect for who? The Lord. Proverbs nine ten, the fear of the Lord is what? The beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord. It doesn't mean I shake in fear of God, but I reverence him. I respect and honor him. And so when I give my defense, when persecution comes, I must do it with, with a gentle spirit and with a respectful spirit. And that's how the Lord Jesus, when he faced Pilate and faced the, the suffering of the cross, he was silent against his, his enemies and so, so we should be ready to give an account, and he will give us the words to speak. But, you know, when I think of this as, as uh, and then look at, look at verse 16. And keep a good conscience so that in the thing in which you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. So if I have a good conscience about what, what I'm saying, what I'm doing, and I'm doing it for Christ, and I'm honoring him, then my enemies will be put to shame. I won't, I won't feel ashamed. And I wonder, as Peter's writing this, if he wasn't thinking about the shame he experienced. And we studied this recently in our men's Bible study, where Peter denied Christ three times. And we're not, because of time, we're not going to go there and take time to read it. But go back and read it on your own. But remember, Jesus told, Peter was so uh, proud of himself, he thought he'll take on the world. And he told Jesus, uh, you know, he said, I'm, Jesus was telling them, I've got to go and die. I've got to go to the cross. And Peter says, hey, I'm going to die with you. 
I'm ready to die. And Jesus calls him on it and says, Peter, you're not ready yet. There's a problem. You have too much fear. Basically, he just said, Peter, you know what's going to happen? When the cock crows, you're going to have denied me three times. And Peter again says, no, that's not going to happen. I'm going to die for you, Lord. And of course, what happens? The three denials. And after the cock crows and the scriptures say that at that moment, Jesus was close enough to Peter that he looked at Peter. And Peter saw his Lord and Savior eye to eye. And do you remember what Peter did after that? He ran away and wept bitterly. Because there was a time in Peter's life where he felt the utmost shame because he had let his Savior down. And he felt like he was a traitor to the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and Peter wasn't at that, at that place yet where he, he was bold in his, in his faith because he had not sanctified Christ yet because Christ was still with him. But once Jesus left this earth after his resurrection, he, he promised to send his what? Holy Spirit into the, our hearts. And so once Peter had the Holy Spirit indwelling him, he suddenly was sanctifying the Lord in his heart. He had the power, the power of the Holy Spirit, to stand up and be bold in his witness. Again, we, because of time, I'd love to go to it. I was planning to, but we can't, can't uh, take time. But look it up on your own, Acts chapter 4, verses 1 through 13, and you will see a different Peter. You will see a Peter that is not that runaway, scared, you know, denying Christ Peter, but he stands up and boldly stands before his accusers. And it says there in Acts 4, it says, and Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit as he was about to speak. And he spoke to them. And so we see the transformation, transformation in Peter. So it is for us that I can be bold and yet I can give a defense of my faith in a gentle and reverent way and have a clear conscience, a good conscience by what I have, things I have said so that when I'm slandered for my good behavior in Christ, they can't they're going to be put to shame because they won't have any real evidence. And then we we come to verse 17. For it is better, if God should will it so, that you suffer for doing what is right rather than for doing what is wrong. It's better, and here's the key that Peter puts in here, if God should will it so. If God should will it so. I must understand, and that, that's, again, it brings to my mind the, the life of Job, that there are going to be times where you and I are going to suffer, you and I are going to be, uh, uh, we, we are going to have to face the crowd, so to speak, for Christ and give an account, 
and suffering's going to come, and it'll come in many ways because Satan Satan will get come at us in different ways, whether through physical suffering or or mentally, emotionally. But he says here, it may be God's will that we suffer, but make sure that we're suffering for something we did right, for living the right way, for having Christ being Lord of my heart and Lord of my life and not suffering for doing what is wrong. Do you remember um, times where somebody well-known, a well-known preacher, and I'm not going to name names, but you suddenly you see it on the television, you, you read it in the social media that so-and-so has sinned. And I think of a number of great preachers of the gospel, men who have fallen, and their whole ministry has come apart and fell into pieces because they've allowed sin into their life, and they've allowed sin to continue like King David did. And suddenly, their, their books are taken off the shelf. Their videos are taken off, all because of, of sin. And so what happens there? The world, because they are now suffering for something they did wrong. And the world can stand back and laugh and mock us. Say, see, there are only a bunch of hypocrites, these Christians. But if you and I guard our hearts, and the only way I can guard my heart from sin is if I have the Lord Jesus sanctified in that heart, in my heart. And say, Lord, I'm, I'm, today I want to obey you and honor you. Give me your strength with, through your Holy Spirit to be able to, to live a life that's pleasing to you. And look what God will do. You and I will be a light that will shine until Jesus comes. And the world cannot take that light. But praise the Lord, many will be saved by it. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your precious word. I thank you, Lord, for the words from Peter here that you gave him to write down for our hearts. Father, I pray that we would consider ourselves blessed when persecution comes. Lord, that we might not be afraid of the enemy, but Lord, that we might sanctify Christ in our hearts. And we know then that we can be bold and and fearless, Lord, in the day of the battle. So, Father, strengthen each believer here in their faith and help us, Lord, to keep our eyes fixed upon thee And we'll thank you for the victories as we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.